All right. Well, shall we get started tonight? Thank you for everyone being here and uh, for all those that are uh, watching online tonight. Uh, we appreciate you taking advantage of uh, some time that we're putting together to provide some Bible teaching and uh, what we would like to be providing is singing as well, but uh, if you were not here on Sunday, then you probably missed the announcement that uh, the governor has said that uh, we're not allowed to sing, uh, at least indoors for now, um, and so we're going to uh, comply with that. Um, and what I want to do is instead, since we're not going to be taking the first few minutes to sing today, um, I thought we would take the first few minutes to do what we did on Sunday, which was just be able to pray for one another. And so i um, asking for things that you might have on your heart that you need prayer for or some struggles that you're having or that you know of other people are having. Um, whatever it is that you might want to have, uh, have us pray for tonight, um, I'd be glad to hear, to hear from you guys and uh, we'll spend a little time doing that before we get into our, uh, our Bible lesson tonight. So we can't sing, but um, let's, uh, let's see what we might have to be able to pray for. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, when people say things, I'll probably repeat them. And so don't think that's weird, but people that, that are watching elsewhere won't be able to hear what you say. So if I repeat it, then they'll at least hear what that is. Uh, and so your prayer request was for uh, anger that may be there because of, I'm assuming because of coronavirus and all the things going on? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So just... All the, all the aspects of the COVID virus and, and what that brings and what all the restrictions and the frustrations that are there and those kinds of things. So that, that can have a tendency to build uh, different emotions in different people, and anger is one of them for sure. So we'll pray about that too. Uh, anyone else? Something we can pray for? Yes. Okay. All right. Someone else? So, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the one before that was a prayer request for uh, Carl for uh, being very ill. Sounds like uh, gravely ill, and so we'll pray for, for Carl. Uh, and then that one, for those that couldn't hear, is uh, you know, specifically a family member that needs the Lord, and then acknowledgement that there are probably many of us here that have family members that don't know the Lord. And so certainly uh, an ongoing prayer for unbelieving family members to come to faith in Christ is, is a, good, a great thing to pray for. So we'll do that. 
Someone else? Something we can pray about? While you're thinking about it, I'll mention one. Um, I just wanted to ask that as a church, we uh, remember to pray for your elders as they are, we are meeting about COVID virus and, and those kinds of things and how best to lead the church and deal with the, the proclamations from the government and those kinds of things. So we would ask for you guys' prayers for us, for wisdom and um, uh, humility, um, to avoid going by our feelings. And what we want to do is we want to honor God and we want to go by what his word says uh, as best we can. And so, so be, we thank you for being patient with us as we work our way through these things. And, uh, but we always could use the prayers of the church family uh, for making wise decisions and those kinds of things. So we appreciate whenever you guys pray for us. Uh, anything else? Anyone else that uh, has something? Yes. And what did you call them? Stem cell. Oh, okay. Stem cell shots in your knee. Okay. No results yet? Okay. Anything else we can pray for? Yeah. Oh. Like identity theft and that kind of stuff too? Okay. So someone's hacking the computer um, and identity and that's, and that causes a lot of problems for sure. Yeah, so we'll pray for peace for that. And then the one before that was for Bunny for her knee. Okay. So I don't know if you could hear that or not, but okay. So she might be able to give you some information for someone that can help. How about this? How about a praise? Is there something you want to you wanna praise God for that we can, we can lift up to him in, in praise? Yes, Jeanette. Okay, a praise for Jeanette for. Yes. Yes. Someone else have a praise. Amen. Um, we, 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 you know, 
Yeah. Yes. Praise that we can worship God anytime. That's good. Okay. Anyone else a praise? Yes. That is a wonderful thing to praise God for, that Jesus is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Dan. Yeah. It's not a it's not a very long psalm, but um, I'll just read it in case people didn't hear that. But uh, good opportunity to read to read some scripture. But the the praise is for for God's promises that we benefit from all the time, and that 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 they're that they're very evident in our lives. But Psalm one twenty one is what was brought up. It's only eight verses. It's a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, probably many people have experienced that, that this time in, in COVID and with all the fear and things that it brings about, it's provided opportunities, more opportunities seemingly than normal for sharing God's word with people uh, to bring hope. And yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, why don't we uh, spend a couple minutes in, in prayer and then we'll get started with our lesson tonight.
Father in heaven, we're grateful to be able to come before you, that we can lift up our prayers, our requests, our praises to you any time of day or night. Father, you hear them. You are everywhere. You're all-knowing. Father, you uh, are worthy of all praise. We thank you, Father, that no matter what the circumstances are, we can continue to, to pray. Uh, and we thank you for providing that, Lord. It's this way that we can acknowledge our reliance on you, that we have desperate need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that you, again, that you hear our prayers. What a joy it is to be here tonight and be able to gather and uh, read your word and hear what you have said. And, Father, to be able to share requests with one another of prayer um, and, and join together in that, Lord. We're so grateful for that. And we do lift up this prayer, Lord, for uh, the effects that coronavirus and restrictions, um, regulations, and all those things have on our, our daily activities, on our lives, on our thinking on our attitudes, Lord. And, and one of those things is anger that can come up. Uh, and Father, I pray that you would help us as your children not to be angry. Lord, that is one of those things in a list that you have put in your scriptures that tell us we need to be getting rid of. Anger and malice uh, and all those kinds of things, Lord, that, that are not a part of our life. Uh, so help us, Lord, as those emotions build up sometimes um, that we would... Um, repent of those things and, and, and set them aside, Lord, and, and come back to joy, uh, and joy and especially in our salvation in Christ. So we ask for help for that, Lord, for those that struggle with, with anger. Uh, and we do lift up Carl to you, Lord, and his illness. You know exactly what it is and how serious it is. And uh, Father, we pray that your will would be done in his life um, as he trusts in you. And, and Father, uh, bring peace to him, to his, his family members, um, and I pray that they would grow closer to you through, uh, through this, this time. Uh, and Father, also this prayer that has come up for unbelieving family members, which I think uh, many, many of us here have family members that are unbelievers. Um, and Father, maybe the gospel has been shared with them several times and they are not responding to it, Lord. Maybe they're completely, um, um, have complete animosity towards the gospel. Uh, you know what that is, Lord, and I pray that you would just give us uh, the boldness to be able to share it lovingly and, Father, then to be able to step back and allow you, through your spirit, to do the saving. Father, we do not save people. You've called us to to share the gospel, Lord, and, and help us to do that. And Father, we'll, we'll be grateful for every soul that you save. And Father, I do lift up the, uh, the elders of the church. I pray that you would help as we try to, um, to lead and try to deal with the, the goings-on of coronavirus and how that affects the church, and that you'd help us to be wise, Lord. Uh, in our deliberations, and as we look through your word, uh, that you would make things clear to us, um, that we would lead well, not only for ourselves and for this church, but for the community, um, that, that by what we do, Lord, we would never bring um, 
contempt against your name, Lord. Father, we thank you for the uh, stem cell injection that, that money has had. We, we ask, Lord, that you would um, bring good results from that, that would bring relief and, and do what it is intended to do. And we pray, Father, that you might uh, bring that about soon. And, and, Lord, that it would be a cause for joy and for praising you. Uh, and, Father, for the, the computer hacking, the identity theft, and uh, those things that have, that have come, uh, Lord, we pray for uh, peace in that situation. We pray, Lord, for um, you to provide the right people uh, to come alongside and be able to help with this situation and to be able to make things secure again. And I pray, Father, that you would keep uh, there from being any long-lasting damage, Lord, any, any uh, great financial loss, um, any trouble that may come because of it. it. It can bring a lot of anxiety, Lord, and I pray that you would bring peace in that situation. And Father, we, we have things that we want to praise you for, and one of those is uh, is Jeanette and her attitude towards uh, her cancer. Father, and, and she is praising you for uh, her hair growing back, for feeling better, uh, many things, Lord, and she's entrusted her life to you, and we thank you for her example of trust and, and the fact that she is not afraid, Lord, but trusting you as her Savior uh, and, and brings joy in her life. So we're, we're praising you for that, Lord. And for all those, perhaps even in, in this room and those that we know who um, have been exposed to coronavirus and have been tested and, and received negative results. Lord, we praise you for that. Uh, and, and we do recognize, Lord, that with all these restrictions, uh, it can seem like we're not able to praise you. We're not able to worship you. But, Father, that is not true. We, we can worship you anywhere, anytime. Uh, and Father, I pray you would give us a right attitude about that, that we would not build bitterness in our lives and our hearts because of this, but that it would cause us to, to examine ourselves and cause us to go to your word and to be reminded of your promises and to be reminded of the hope we have in Christ and to give you praise and, and honor because of it and, and to share that with others as we talk to them on the phone, as we interact with them, even through masks, Lord, that, that we would never be so frustrated that we would set aside our worship of you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your promises, of which there are many. And we can look through your word and we can see them and, and be reminded of them and, and take comfort in them because, Lord, you, you will give what you have promised. And we're so grateful for that. And, Lord, we... Uh, Thank you for all the extra opportunities that are there because of COVID, the opportunities to help people in their fear, to help people in their, their anxiety, or those who, who have not come to faith in Christ and, and, and wonder uh, and fear what the outcomes might be of, of this time in our, uh, in our world. But Lord, we know that as Christians, we don't have to fear. And Father, uh, our lives can be taken from us here, but, but this is not our home. We have eternity with you. And we're so grateful for that. And finally, Lord, we want to be reminded tonight, as uh, Brina has reminded us, that Jesus is coming back.
talk about promises. Lord, what a great promise that is, that our Savior is coming back for his church. We don't know exactly when, but it is a promise, and you will do it. And we are so grateful, Lord. Strengthen us to endure the time that we have here until you return. May our lives honor you in word and deed. And Father, we thank you uh, for your gracious, loving kindness and mercy that you have shown towards us. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's great. Thank you all for sharing those things for tonight so that we could spend some time in prayer. Uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Malachi. I would tell you what page number, but it would be different because you know how that goes. Um, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Been working our way through that. And before I forget, um, next, for the next two weeks, you'll have a different elder here and they'll be sharing messages with you. Alistair will be here next week. I'm not sure what he's sharing on. Um, the week after that, um, Larry Schleif will be here and he'll be uh, bringing a message out of the book of James, I believe. Uh, so, so be sure and be here for that and, and tune in for that because I'm sure it will, be, it will be beneficial for us all to be able to hear those things. So for a couple of weeks, we'll be taking a break uh, from Malachi and then I'll come, whenever I come back from uh, after those messages, then we'll continue on where we left off. So at, at this point in our study in Malachi, we are, if you were in my Bible study before, we were moving past where we were. Okay, so there's no more recapping here. Uh, if, you were, if you were part of that study before coronavirus hit. Uh, so we are, we are in verse 9 tonight, starting in verse 9. And I wanted to go ahead and just read 9 through 14 and, uh, and see if we can get all the way through that tonight. I know it's a big chunk, and I'm, some of you are laughing inside right now, uh, knowing how long it takes me to get through things. So um, Anyway, but uh, we'll, we'll try it tonight. If not, we'll pick up when, next time we come back. But let's look at Malachi chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 9, and we'll go through 14. Okay, and now, entreat the favor of God that, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that, it is, that its food may be despised, but you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations." So that's verse 9 there. If you just start there, it can seem like it's um, incomplete. Well, that's because it's connected to, to what came before it. 
uh, in verse 8. And, and so we're sort of in the middle here, in the middle of, a, of this rebuke about lack of fear of God um, and, and what the people are doing, which is they're, they're offering blind animals and lame animals, sick animals, and this is evil. Uh, Malachi asks the rhetorical question uh, last time when we were in, in verse 8, when he was talking about this offering of these blind animals and things, and he says, is that not evil? Well, it's a rhetorical question. The answer to that is yes, absolutely. This is evil to bring these polluted sacrifices to God. And he ended verse 8 by giving them an instance and saying, just try and, and treat your governor that way, basically. Offer him what's not worthy, and will he accept you or show, uh, show you favor? And the answer again to that question is no, he would not. Um, yet they treat God with contempt. And that, that brings us into verse 9 and, and why it starts with, and now entreat the favor of God. Because of that, what he ha- had said before that in their, in their polluted offerings and, and the fact that the governor wouldn't even accept them. Um, and so he wants them to, be, to think about that in terms of their God and whether or not God would even accept them. And it puts them in a terrible place. This, this sin puts them in such a terrible place. And that's why he now is, in, is entreating them. He's, he's telling them to entreat God about something. Uh, and, and so far in, in the book of Malachi, we've seen that the people, uh, the people of God don't think he loves them. And in fact, has not loved them. They do not honor him. They do not fear him. They, in fact, despise him and make his name despised. And they actually feel justified in what they're doing in their hearts. And really, this is, it's pure evil, what they're doing. This is no small thing. That's why the language here is so seemingly harsh and difficult. And it is throughout the book of Malachi. It really can, can be a bummer to, to hear this. Um, but we may even think that about going through Malachi and looking at this. It's just, there's a lot of rebuke in here. There's a lot of bad things. But Think about these people and, and how they were having to hear this about themselves, right? Um, and what we're seeing here and what Malachi is rebuking really is evil unbelief. That's what's going on with, with the people. Okay, and these, these two things, evil and unbelief, really are two sides of the, the same coin. They're uh, what the people of God are told to be on guard for, uh, and, and this, is, this calls for self-examination. Okay, so there's a couple of passages I want us to look at tonight at different points, but if you take your Bibles and turn to, um, flip over to Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, we'll go there a couple times tonight. First of all, Hebrews chapter 3, okay, and, and as, I, as we look at this, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, just think about that in terms of these people that Malachi is writing to and what they're being accused of and and all those things, and see, and think to yourself how this, this fits. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Okay, now, now the author of Hebrews is writing to Jews who have converted to Christianity or profess to convert to Christianity, okay? He says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
If you think about it, that's, that's what's going on here in Malachi. That's what he's dealing with the people in, this, this hardening of their hearts, the deceitfulness of sin that is there, and they, they need some self-examination. Okay? So these really harsh words that he has should bring about this, this self-examination. And remember in particular here, he's writing to who? At this section. The priests. Yeah, he's directing this to the priests. Okay? Um, so the, the priests of God here should at least be leading the people out of this sin, not deeper into it, but they're not. That, they continue to lead the people deeper and deeper into this sin against God in these polluted offerings. Um, and, and this kind of persistent unbelief will prove to be disastrous because God will not tolerate this kind of sin forever. Okay? Evil unbelief is what keeps people out of the kingdom of God. This is very serious. Uh, if, you, if you're still in or near Hebrews 3, if you look at verses 18 and 19, it says, And to whom did he swear that, he would, that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Okay, now the author of Hebrews is talking about the Israelites in the wilderness and entering the promised land, and, and they were not, those were not a whole generation not able to enter because of their evil unbelief. Okay, so that's the, that's the warning here. It's, so is it all over for God's people? This, this all sounds very bad, and it is. And it's supposed to. It's supposed to sound really bad and, and cut to the heart of the people and draw them back to God. It's meant to strike fear in the hearts of the people, but not for no purpose and, and also not in vain. Okay, God will, will judge and punish evil, uh, unbelief, but here Malachi is saying all of these hard things to draw people back to God. And we see that is God's purpose here when we skip ahead to some words of comfort in the book of Malachi, actually. Uh, and, and these words of comfort, some words of promise, like the request we had earlier to thank God for his promises, well, here's one. And look at, with me at Malachi chapter 3, if you bump over a little bit to chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, okay? Keeping in mind that what's going to come before three, chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 is a lot of this rebuke, okay? But you get to 6 and 7 of chapter 3, and listen to what it says here. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Okay? Return to me, and I will return to you. That's what God wants here. That's what all this rebuke is about. But remember, it will not, he will not be patient forever. Because the opposite is also true. If they return to him, he will return to them. And since the opposite is true, if they continue to reject and continue in their arrogance and their faithlessness, well, look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 
Okay, so that's why I say it's that these rebukes are not for no purpose and, and they're not in vain because the rebukes uh, are true and they, they call people back to God and they also promise that evil will be judged. God will not tolerate it forever. Deuteronomy 28, 63 says, And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you, and you shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The whole book is a call to God's people to return to him, but he will not be patient forever. But for now, let's get back to our text and this rebuke. In verse 9, Malachi is explaining his, his rhetorical question here in verse 9 about offering polluted things to the governor. And his point is that God will not accept such polluted things from their hands. Um, and what they're doing in offering these things is not only worth, worthless in terms of worship of God, but is, it's actually piling evil deeds and proving their unbelief. And look at the contrasting thoughts in verse 9. Just by itself, Malachi 1, verse 9. says, And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. On one hand, you have this rhetorical question. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? And that is really a, a devastating question because the answer is no. He will not. And God will, will not accept these polluted things from them. And, and worse, it, it points directly at where these things are coming from. The, it's from their hand. The point there is that they are completely responsible for these offerings they're bringing that are polluted. Okay, they can't blame it on anyone else. Uh, and it's, it's a terrible evil. The truth is God will not show favor. So I have a question then. God says here that he will not show favor with this gift from their hands, but he says to entreat the favor of God. So looking just at verse 9, what, what biblical doctrine do we see at work there or pictured there in verse 9? If you just take a second to read that again, what biblical doctrine do we see there? What's that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay, yeah, that's a part of it. Grace, absolutely. Okay, what we see there is, is a picture, really, of salvation by grace alone. Okay, people are not saved by their own polluted offering of self-righteousness. We understand that as Christians, that we, don't, we can't offer self-righteousness to God and, and be acceptable to Him. We receive God's but we're still looking for God's favor, right? It's just, how are we looking for it? We receive God's favor through his grace. And that's what Malachi calls on the people to do. Because of their sinful acts here, the only hope for them is to seek God's favor through his undeserved grace. And they don't deserve it, but, but that's what he's calling them to seek there, is, is his grace. And it's opposed to the idea that the favor they seek can be brought from this offering from their own hands, okay? We need to see the difference there. 
He says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. Not that he may accept these things we keep offering him, but that he will give us what we don't deserve, which is his grace. Okay, he's calling them to that. And this, this is a cry for them to cease their evil offerings. Better for them not to offer anything than to continue in this sin of bringing these polluted offerings. Uh, it, it's a pleading that they would, um, that there would be even one person who were righteous enough to shut the doors and say enough is enough. Okay, looking at, at verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Think about that for a minute. That's, that's an interesting thing. Here they are, they're, they're doing temple service, right? They're doing what God has commanded them to do, but now you have God himself through the prophet Malachi saying, oh, that there were even one of you who would shut these doors and stop this. What does that say about how serious this is? Extremely serious. There's not one person who will stand in the truth, one person to call for obedience to God, who will stop this people from continuing to sin. Is there even one? That's, that's the pleading here. That's what's going on. And remember, this is to the priests. Not even one of these leaders. There should be one of those people there who should say, we have to stop this. What we're doing is sin. It's wrong. But there wasn't one. To, to shut the doors would stop them from kindling fire on God's altar in vain. And that's what they're doing. Everything they're doing is in vain. It's, it's of no use. Um, it's, there's no value to any of it. it is, it's a great sin and it's, and it's produced by their own hands. All they can produce is sin. And they need to entreat the favor of God. They need to beg for God's gracious favor and that he would not give them the wage that their false worship deserves, which is judgment. Look over with me, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 1. Okay, Isaiah chapter 1. And we'll look at verses 11 through 15. And you'll hear some similar things in here. Uh, from the prophet to God's people. Isaiah 1, 11 through 15. Okay, now listen, this is, this is God speaking through the prophet. Verse 11, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. 
Ouch, that's, that's painful. That's very serious. To be burdening God with the things that God has commanded them to do. They've now become a burden to him, a stench to him. He takes no pleasure even in the things that he called them to do because their hearts are far from him. They are not doing these things the way that he wants them done. He says he cannot endure uh, sin and solemn assembly. And we must be so careful about blending sin with the church and still trying to call it the church of Christ. And churches are increasingly allowing these same kinds of attitudes and practices to enter their assembly. Embracing sin and saying it's not sin, I think that came up last week, um, while claiming to worship God, all while ignoring and despising what he said, right, his word. We say, we say God accepts you just the way you are. And that, that's a message that goes out, right, sometimes. Well, God loves you just, just how you are. Uh, and what we end up meaning by that, wrongly so, is that he loves you just the way you are. Go ahead and continue in your sin. He doesn't care about your sin. Okay, and, and that's okay with God. Well, God does love us just the way we are. This, the scripture says, Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But he died because of that sin, right? To remove that sin. To, we don't continue in it. We don't embrace our sin. Uh, but that's what's going on with these, with these people here. And look over with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you hear that? But you were washed. Okay, you don't continue in your sin. You don't love your sin. Christ died for that. You were, you were washed if you're in Christ. That is a promise. So we can't do what these people were doing, what these priests were doing in the church. We cannot Embrace sin and say that sin is not sin because we don't want to offend somebody or something like that. We must stand on the word of God. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. This is, of course, later than where we're at right now. But Malachi says to them, You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. You hear that lie? 
they're not saying those words, right? They're not uttering the words, uh, everyone uh, who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. They're not saying that, but by their actions, by what they're allowing to go on, they are saying that, they are sending that message that evil is good and that the Lord is okay with it. And that is absolutely not true. He does not delight in sin. Okay. And can we not see in this the picture of why the world needed Christ? The perfect, once for all, sacrificial lamb of God? I told you we'd be going to Hebrews again, so that's where we're going. Hebrews chapter 10. And keeping in mind that the people being written to here are, are Jews, right? They're, they're still, they were, they were very recently still practicing temple sacrifice, okay? like the people in Malachi's day. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, look at what it says. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we see in this, here they are and they're offering these things. They're not even doing it how they're supposed to. And it just shows even more evidence of why the world needed Christ, why we needed that perfect sacrifice to come. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, but the blood of Christ can, and it does. So here in verse 10, in Malachi 1, God says he has no pleasure in them, and he will not accept these offerings from their hand, not because he had not told them to offer sacrifices, but because their hearts were far from him and their sacrifices had become sinful practices in religious emptiness, useless for them, sinful in God's sight, uh, and bringing blasphemy on his name. So you get it when he says, basically, someone shut the doors. Stop this. In verse 11, Malachi 1, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. My name will be great. When we see these words about the rising and the setting of the sun, it's used here to give us this picture, not a period of time per se, but really a way to describe that this covers the whole earth, okay? His name will be great in the whole earth. And these people are in danger of being left out of that. My name will be great. Does God need people to make his name great? No. It just is. He is. He is great and and. This is about making his greatness known to people, okay? He doesn't need people to make his name great. And here he's talking about that message going out from Israel to the rest of the world, okay? Verse 12, 
says, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. And like I said, God doesn't need people to make his name great, but in verse 12, he puts them in the category of being profaners of his name. They would cause others to see God as less than what he is. What is the result of Christians who profane the name of God? What do you think are some of the results of Christians profaning the name of God? Their testimony isn't worth anything? Okay. What else? It gives the ungodly an excuse not to see him for who he is? Yeah. In their own minds, minds, yeah. Right? It's the typical, these hypocritical Christians, you know, they say this and this, but they do this and that. And that, that profanes the name of God. Is God still great? Do we, does that make him not great? No. But instead of showing God's greatness to people, now you're profaning his name, and in their eyes, he is not great, and that message doesn't get through. Okay? It doesn't change the greatness of God, but it doesn't show the greatness of God to that person. What is, what is holy, God becomes common. In people's eyes. And God is not common. He is holy. He is set apart. Um, and this verse continues with these results from the same sinful actions of people that, uh, that the people were mentioned earlier in doing. The Lord's table is polluted. The Lord's table may be despised, etc. Okay, we saw that earlier on. He's sort of rehashing these same things that they were doing, the, the results of, of what they were doing. Verse 13 has another example of Malachi knowing what is in the hearts of the people without them even uttering a word. And of course, the only way he can do this is because uh, God is showing him this. Verse 13, But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? But you say, what a weariness this is. Again, they didn't utter those words, but that is uh, what their heart is expressing, that this is a weariness. In the hearts of the priests, they are weary. What are they weary of? Following the commands of God for how to worship him properly. They're weary of it. They're tired of it. And in this weariness, it's causing them, as Malachi says, to snort at it, at what God says. You know, it's nothing. It's contemptible. There's no reverence. There's no fear. And these priests are leading the people deeper and deeper into this. Okay? This is very bad. And how is this possible, even? How can they get to this place? God certainly doesn't see his commands to his people as something to cause weariness. Look at what he says to his people through the prophet Micah. And and after I read this little section in, in Micah, I want you to think about what the people Malachi 
is rebuking need. Okay? Micah 6, 3 through 5 says, Oh, my people, this is God speaking now. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered to him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. So after hearing that, what is missing from the people's minds in Malachi? History. Okay? Another way of saying that, remembrance. Right? Okay, that's, that's a theme throughout Scripture, and I've mentioned that before. But that's what's missing here. What does God himself, through Micah, telling the people? Remember. He's talking about, they're having the same problem at that time. They're wearied. And he says, what have I done to weary you? Didn't I do these things? Remember. Okay, he calls them to remember. And that's what the people here in, that Malachi is writing to need. They need remembrance. Apparently, remembering what God has done has some ability to change people's thinking. Okay, think about that. Remembering what God has done has some ability to change people's thinking, in particular, Christians. Now, if we bring this to our context, how is that true for Christians in 2020 who are wearied by their own ongoing sin? How is that true of us? That remembering what God has done has the ability to change our thinking. How does that help us as Christians? Gives us hope. Okay. Absolutely. The remembrance that your sins are forgiven and it brings hope. Right? Joy in the midst of trials or sin uh, that we have. We have trials, we have sin, and it's just ongoing in our lives. Okay? If we're honest, we're all sinners and we continue to struggle with sin. And sometimes the, the lie that can come into our head is, well, several lies. I'm, I'm not saved. My sins are not forgiven. Clearly made evidence by the fact I just sinned. Okay? But that's not true. Okay? If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. It's a fact. Okay? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Remembering that in Christ we are new creatures, right? That gives us hope. All of this. Again, hope is really an important word there. All of these remembrances bring us to a place of hope. Okay. The people of God that Malachi was writing to, they didn't have a whole lot of hope. Okay. And they had not remembered. Absolutely. Lots of gratitude should come to come from that. Um, but there, just remember that as you go through life, day to day, when you sin as a Christian, you repent of that sin, 
You confess it to God and you move forward because that sin is forgiven. Christ paid for that sin already. If you have repented of your sin and put your trust in Christ for salvation, it's done. You are a new creation. Old things are gone. New things have come. Okay, these are things we need to remember as believers and we remember them by reading the Bible, by being reminded of what God has done. Remembrance is very important. If the, if the world was falling apart and everything we think is valuable is taken from us, the fact that your sins are forgiven in Christ should be sufficient for joy. You think about that. We worry about things, losing things and rights and all these kinds of things. You can take every single thing away from a Christian and the joy that we have in the forgiveness of our sins should be enough. Okay? They continued to prove their despising of God by bringing him these polluted offerings. It says, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick. They, they stole animals, apparently, or, or brought what had been stolen. Uh, the animals were sick and crippled. They were the worst that they had instead of the best that they had. And thank God that he provides the true and perfect Lamb of God as a sacrifice for his people. And he did not give us what was polluted and what was unable to save. He gave us Christ. And again, the the same question comes up. Shall I accept that from your hand, these these animals that they're offering? Shall I accept that from your hand? The answer to the question, of course, is no. And he will not accept them. In fact, in verse 14, look at that. Uh, It's our last verse. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. God pronounces a curse on them, specifically the one who he calls a cheat that pledges or vows to bring a male from the flock uh, as an offering, but instead brings what is blemished. And in this case, it seems that the, the replacement from the flock was a female, completely ignoring the requirement that it be a male in Leviticus 22.19. Cursed. And this means that that person is, is removed from the place of God's blessing. And that could mean different things for different people. For the priests here, it probably meant removal from the service of God, made to be seen as, as rejected by God in the eyes of the people. And actually, we'll get more into this, this curse talk in chapter 2, um, as Malachi continues to explain this curse further. Um, why cursed? Why are they cursed? He says, for I am a great king. This is not God throwing a tantrum. Okay, It's the true and living God declaring who he is and that he will be worshipped properly. And if it's not by his covenant people, The message is going to all the nations. He will be worshipped. That's the message here. I will be feared. I will be worshipped properly. And I am taking my message to all the world. And we see that, of course, played out after this 400 years of silence. You get into the New Testament and in the time of Christ and the apostles. And that message is clearly going out to the Gentiles. And you see clear sort of marking points of that in the, in the Gospels as, that, as things change. And this, this prophecy is fulfilled. God will be worshipped. He will be feared. He is to be honored. 
Uh, and so he takes his message to the Gentiles. Okay? God is not finished with the Jews. Uh, we can see that in Scripture also. He always has his remnant. Um, and hence, you have what we read earlier uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 6 of Malachi. For the Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You know, he's saying, I could have and should have consumed you a long time ago, but I don't change. They are his covenant people, so they are not consumed. Even though they have turned aside from him since the days of their fathers um, and have not kept his statutes, he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And one day, even the, even the Jews will return to God. Okay, God will be worshipped for he is a great king. And we're out of time tonight. Any questions, comments before we go? Look at that. All the way through chapter 1. That's, that's a record. <laughs> so next time we come together, we'll start up in chapter 2. But next week, Alistair will be here. The week after that, it'll be Larry Schleife in the book of James. And then when we come back uh, after that, we'll be in chapter 2 of Malachi. I want to thank you all for being here. And let me, let me pray with you before we close the night. Father in heaven, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for your word. And God, thank you that, again, that though this was written so long ago, and it was written to a people who lived so long ago, this message is true for us, Lord, about worship. We don't offer animals and, and incense, Father, but because you have sent the one true sacrifice, those things are no longer necessary. The blood of the bulls and goats never took away sin, but the blood of Christ absolutely takes away sin. We give you praise and thanks for that. Thank you, Father, for the truths that we can hear here. And we know from other parts of Scripture that these things are written down for us, even the things written so long ago, so that we will not fall into the same patterns, Lord. I pray you would help us to have right thinking as your church, that we would not say that people doing evil is okay in your eyes. Help us to examine ourselves, Lord. Help us to be honest with one another. Help us to be loving towards one another. I pray, Father, for good attitudes. Help us, even in the midst of this great trial right now, Lord, that you would give us joy at the remembrance of our salvation and at the knowledge of the hope that we have in Christ. We give you praise for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all. Have a good night.